Welcome to your favorite 30-ish minutes of the day. 30-ish. 30-ish. This is the Precisely Simple Podcast, your source for the latest news, interviews, and stories from the manufacturing world. Here we'll dive headfirst in the world of manufacturing and the people that make it thrive. I am Professor Kyle. Hey, Professor Kyle. I'm Brandon. Oh, hello there. <laughs> oh, hi. Oh, hi. All right. All right. All right. Let's get right into it. All right. Let's get into the movie spark. In a world. <laughs> in a world. Of yeah, red oh, light. Oh, oh God. Red yes. Light, yes. Green light. <gasps> I was just about to do it. Uh, oh, my God. Here we go. In a world of manufacturing, there is a red light and a green light. This week, Kyle is... Oh, green light. Yay, he's a green light. (laughs) Yay. No, no, things are good. Things are running. Um, Just chugging along, trying to figure out what we're going to implement next year for technology. But uh, things are are going good, man. A lot of the homework and a lot of the stuff we've been doing implementation of technology-wise is starting to pay off. So it's it's been nice to sit back just, just to... Smidge, just a small amount, just and enough. Be like, hey, this is working. This is you're, awesome. You so you're not sitting all the way, like you're not in the office chair where you pulled the little lever on the bottom right out so you can go all the way back. You just no. have it still pressed in so you can just tilt. Yeah, just, just enough. Tilt. Just enough just tilt. A little bit off axis. Yeah. I like it. We're tilting. Okay. We um. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> all right. So let me tell you, this is um interesting. <laughs> and you know, obviously these pod- pod- podcasts are public, so uh. I had some students who did not finish their assignments like they were supposed to. So I made sure that before I left on a Friday, I finished my grade book and I was up to date. And if things were not in there, they were empties. And I have gotten a lot of emails this week. <laughs> what am I missing? What do I do? And Professor, like, how, do, how, do, how do I get this? How do I get this back up? Exactly. Uh, like, oh, all you have to do is do your work. And all I got to do is do up. it. Yeah. I'm like, all I got to do is do it. I just, you put that in there so that it gets their attention real quick. So it's, it's the first of many lessons of you, you still have to do it. Like I am. I am, yeah, exactly, accountability. I am awesome to be around, just being humble there for you. And <laughs> and my class is amazing, just, you know, just saying. And, uh, but you still have to do the work. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of emails this weekend. And if I'm responding to them, I am. Obviously, I'm sending them a quick note. Yeah, you still got to do this. Or, yeah. yes, you have to, yeah. I'll let you know on Monday. But interesting, very interesting. You know, every year it's the same a couple of things are the same things as a general rule, and I forget how it was when I was a teenager, and now I remember every day. <laughs> you were a teen- how, how many decades ago was that? <laughs> really? Did, 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 did the cars, like, did they run on gasoline or still steam? steam? You are not that much younger than I am. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I am four years younger than you. That is not even a. De- that's not even half a decade. You know what? You're a butt. You know that. I don't even want to hear it out of you. I haven't even hit. Oh, whatever. Yep. 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 Whatever. Okay. Yep. Whatever. No. Whatever. Whatever. Everybody says whatever. I don't mind. All right. It. Moving on to moving on. manufacturing minute. Manufacturing yep. minute. I, I know you got something that is. Now, apparently, a lot more uh, necessary than it was probably two years ago. Oh, God. You have tips on Zoom calls. Yeah, let's talk about this. Uh, what, what, what to do, what not to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody, yeah. everybody made the it. jokes for the longest time about virtual uh, doing doing your work from home and always saying, hey, all you got to do is wear the top half of your suit and you can walk around in your pajamas in the bottom half. And yep. while that might be partially true... Um, Until you get up. Until you get up to go to the restroom or, 
you know, something like that. So it's there's a lot more things you have to be conscious of because it's a part of the real world. So let's start knocking some of these things out. So first off, uh, I'm just going to run through a few tips of these. Number one, priority, absolute, most important thing you can possibly do ever in the entire world. Please put a light source behind your web camera. God almighty, please put some kind of light behind your camera. I don't care if you go get a lamp that is on your side table. You can even go get that lamp from the Christmas story. You know, the one with the stocking and the leg? Oh, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Put that right behind your computer, not in front of it, but straight behind your computer. And sometimes if you have to take the lampshade off, take the lampshade off. More light is actually better than not and illuminate. So the biggest problem with these webcams is they are terrible in low light. Um, function and everything we do is always in low light so we always look just kind of uh, you know awful so first thing you can do is please add a light source it's going to make all the difference the camera will work better it will go more into an HD quality you will look better your quality uh, everything is all around is better um, secondly, let me give you a very, very, very technically specific tip about zoom zoom will allow you to share your computer audio when you're doing a presentation uh, either to your team or to your board or to your students or whatever, but the audio sharing will be at full blast for your participants. So you need to give them a fair warning. Um, I've seen it go one of two ways. Either it's it's quiet and it's manageable or it is all out racehorses barreling down their eardrums awful. Um, I'm having trouble controlling the volume of my voice. <laughs> it's literally that. <laughs> um, so before I start all of my classes, I always have something playing as a stream beforehand. And I have actually seen some of my kids jump on and throw their headphones off of their heads because it's way too loud. And they've told me this is an issue. So um, I've tested it. It's true. So please, if you're going to be sharing a video or audio, please warn your audience to turn their volumes down before you do that because it might blow their eardrums out. Big deal. Um, ah, details. Yeah, details. Minor, minor details. Uh, along with the lighting, once you set up the lighting, this is tip number three. If you set up the lighting in front of you behind your webcam, please turn down the lighting behind you so it creates a contrast and highlights you. So you don't necessarily have to do all these digital, you know, changes to your backgrounds and whatnot. It's pretty important um, to fix that. <sighs> along that, in the same lines, sub answer to this one um the virtual backgrounds please stop screwing around with them everybody has seen the same beachside setting everybody has seen the same mall the same escalators i, I want to be in space though yeah i want to be in space it's listen it is cute and unless you have a green screen behind you it's not nearly as efficient as you think it is so it almost looks like parts of your head or body are being sucked into a dark portal or black hole um and it's distracting the software's not that good it's not it, that great it, it, it can't Real-time no. track you at 24 frames a second. No. Ab it can't. Absolutely. So, so super laggy. Don't do it, please. And, and at the end of the day, it's not... Um yeah, it's not professional. So just be professional about this. I know Teams has the ability to blur backgrounds, but we're not all on Teams, uh, which is really just, you know, Microsoft bought Skype. So if you guys don't know it, Teams yep. is just Skype for Outlook. <laughs> That's literally all it is. It's literally all it is now. Um, so just a few things like that, just, just to change the just to change the quality and to make things better in your call, uh, in your in your virtual meetings. Also, uh, when you go into your virtual meetings and you're using multiple desktops, I want to share this with you. Uh, I know it, a few of them do it different ways. Uh, Google Meet and Zoom will both do this, but let me talk to you specifically about Zoom. You can share your screen, but 
if you open up everything that you want to share first, uh, like all of your different windows, your PowerPoint, your Word document, all of those type of items, have those open before you start your meeting. Go to do your share. If you only want to show them your PowerPoint, only share the PowerPoint application. Do not share your entire screen because uh, sometimes you can share your whole screen and if you're running multiple monitors, you might share the wrong one. And also, if you <laughs> and and if you do, you might inadvertently share some kind of uh, confidential com- co- uh, customer information or something yep. else that is proprietary that you don't want out there. And once it's on the internet, it's on the internet. Please consider these Zoom meetings as you That's post. Important. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, treat Zoom meetings as somebody putting up college pictures to their Facebook. This is something that will never go away and will follow them if it's not something they want everybody to see. So please treat them in the best professional manner. Please come to them as prepared as you would to anything else. And please be very careful with sharing your volume with everybody and sharing your screens. Just just share the application. Please don't share the whole screen. It's just dangerous. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there you go. So there's some of my tips. And get a light. For God's sake, just put a light behind you. It's you or behind the camera, it re- you would be surprised the difference it makes. It's huge. But like, but bonus points if it's the stalking from if it's the stalking the stalking leg lamp from Christmas Story. Just just bonus points. Then just put it in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> just no, just off to the side enough where you really can't tell what it is. But you're like, what is that? Don't worry about it. It's my lamp. Just it's it just cre- my lamp. It creates a nice odd like shade to one side of your face yeah. so you know it's like like the dark side of the moon kind of thing yeah uh if you want further tips listen jump onto youtube and look up instead of looking up how to look better in zoom meetings uh there's a lot more information about honestly the younger generation doing video game streaming on twitch or some yeah. of the other streaming platforms they've got it figured out i mean these kids have figured out a way to monetize this thing so they do it correctly and they have a lot of great ideas about um Uh, lighting and managing and using software and different types of stuff to make your thing look professional. So just, just search in that direction. It's something else for you to look at to, to do things better. So good luck out there. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Here we go. Oh my God. We were so excited after last week. It's time for history of welding. Part two. Part two. (laughs) So, Part two, history of welding. Uh, I'm going to recap just a smidge, smidgen. Um, we essentially had talked about, you know, what welding is. It's the, essentially the, the, the melting of two materials to form one. Um, started back in the Greek, a, a Greek with um, uh, ancient Greece, uh, 5th century BC, we moved into forge welding, mostly iron-based. And then in the 1800s, we started getting to actually using electricity for welding. And then we saw the kind of industrial boom, industrial revolution. And that really, really pushed things straight into World War II. That's where we left off last week. So to pick up, we're, we're, we're looking in uh, the early 40s. And this is where this is my f- one of my favorite ones. Wait a minute, did I you just say the Industrial Revolution caused World War II? That seems historically no. inaccurate. No, that's not <laughs> what I said. I was like, from the Industrial Revolution, it pushed welding into World War II. So welding fought on the front lines of World War II. Yes, yes. There, were there were Miller Miller Electric <gasps> uh, make uh, power supplies out on the front lines. 
This is the best history lesson ever. Hey, alternative facts, okay? <laughs> so, so uh, moving on, which is one of my fa- most favorite processes, GTAW, also known as gas tungsten arc welding, also known as TIG. TIG is my most favorite. I learned uh, in first year of school. So I've been TIG welding for 19 years. I was going to say it's not been that long. It's not going to be that hard to add it up. 18 years. 18 years I've been TIG welding. Mm -hmm. So super When are you going to get good at it? (laughs) Man. You're just a lucky year number 20. <laughs> yeah, that's just straight burn. So, um, uh, TIG was been been worked on since kind of the late 20s, early 30s. Uh, really didn't start getting perfected and actually used in industry until early 40s. So, 41, 42 is where they really started uh, kind of seeing it uh, used in, in industry. Uh, coincidentally enough, about six to seven years later is where we saw GMAW, gas metal arc welding, or MIG. Um, that that followed in the late 40s. Uh, it's kind of where that, that kind of moved forward as uh, electricity got better, the power supplies got better, kind of a little bit everything got better with that. Uh, then we move into the kind of mid-late 50s, and this is where we saw flux core arc. So what flux core was essentially a wire fed version of stick. So there was a flux uh, built either in or outside of the electrode in stick, the flux, which when burned creates your inert atmosphere, that was on the outside. Well, in the late fifties, they figured out how to put it inside the wire. So you essentially had, so imagine MIG wire but hollow, and they actually had flux put inside the wire so you could feed it through a, a wire feeder. Seriously? So you, yeah, so you could. it would burn. As the molten material was burning, the flux on the inside of the wire was also burning and vaporizing and creating a nice little, essentially, uh, uh, inert atmosphere. Super, super cool. Um, that really spawned a lot of uh, steel fabrication because flux core, you could go really, really fast, uh, lots of penetration, and you it wasn't that hard because it was MIG-based. So essentially, you could pull a trigger and point a gun, and you could, you could, you could weld. Um, again, that really pushed into the automatic equipment side. You really started seeing robotic, or not robotic, I guess semi-automatic welding where guys would put them on gantries and weld long seams. All that kind of stuff like that. Coincidentally enough, the same year, 1957, plasma arc welding, uh, also called keyhole welding, was invented. So anyone's ever used a plasma cutter, there is welding processes, and I have done them, uh, both robotically and semi-automatic, uh, where you ha- you take a plasma power supply and a plasma gun, and you weld with it because it essentially keyholes, which means... It shoves all the way down into the bead and then, uh, or in the seam, and then all the material falls in around it. Uh, that was developed all the way back into the 50s. So super, super cool. The following year, apparently the 50s were really good for welding. Apparently. 1958, 
EBM ele- or uh, EBW uh, electron beam welding uh, was finally kind of stabilized, uh, which is also a really really cool process. You see it some, you see it a lot in uh, electronics and medical, because uh, uh, it's it's a very very finite process. Like you have to have everything's got to be in a vacuum and back. It's 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 a but it's a very, very stable process. Um, and then. Uh, the other, my other favorite metal joining process, which was, uh, it wasn't really developed in the '60s, but the 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 laser was developed in 1960. So, you know, as as everything else is, well, we figure out what else you can do with it. Um, <laughs> it really didn't happen until like kind of the '70s and '80s, where where you really started seeing laser welding. Um, but it was definitely it was up there on, on the, on the use case, uh, late sixties, you saw magnetic pulse welding, um, which is essentially using mag- magnetic waves, uh, with very, very high current to, to essentially, uh, to weld with or cause, uh, heat. And then in your nineties, early nineties, you saw friction stir welding, which, uh, we see some on the aluminum side and then you see a lot in the plastics and um, thermoplastics kind of field. Oh, so that yeah, that kind of gets us to most of the major processes um, and kind of the kind of the timeline of kind of where welding came from or where metal joining uh, kind of came from. So super cool timeline. Um, I wanted to move a little bit more into uh, now that we kind of know when everything was done, I, I really want to be a little more specific about some of the major processes that say someone would see or hear about, uh, in industry. Um, so the first is, um, it's called SMAW shielded metal arc welding. This is also known as stick welding. This is the first thing I learned how to do. Um, I've been, I've been doing that for many, many, many years. Uh, it's a very old process, very stable process, kind of limited what you can do, but you know, most of the skyscrapers and buildings still today are, are use stick, are use stick welding to put them together. Um, next is GTAW, which is a, again, a big favorite of mine, gas tungsten arc welding. So there's a tungsten rod that's used that doesn't burn up and then you add filler and it's got gas and everything like that. Uh, much, it's probably the one of the hardest ones that, to do manually out of all these is TIG. Oh, because but you, it's my favorite. Yeah, TIG takes so much fun. You have tons of control because, you, but you're controlling three to four things at one time. So you have filament on one hand, torch in another. Most of the time, you have a foot pedal, so you're controlling current, and then you're also traveling, and you're doing all of those simultaneous and maintaining constant surface speed and constant bead profile. So. TIG is by far probably one of the hardest manually done welding processes out there. So moving on to probably one of the easiest, or at least the two easiest, is GMAW, Gas Metal Arc Welding, also known as MIG. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it gets the name MIG of Metal Inert Gas. So, which is a little bit confusing, but essentially MIG is the wire feed ones that everyone sees. So you hold kind of a, an angled gun. It's got a trigger. It's got a little nozzle and wire comes out of it and you weld. Yeah, it goes... Uh, and it just goes... <laughs> like that. And that's what, that's what your first welds look like is just bird poop put on a plate. <laughs> so um, 
then you also had flux core oil welding, which I talked about earlier with FCAW. It's very similar to MIG. Um, they do have some dual shield versions, but usually flux core doesn't run any gas, and the inert puddle is created by the welding, uh, the actual consumable. Now, did I notice this right? That's the kind that you would see like on the shelf at Home Depot that a consumer would, would mess with if they had yes. a MIG at home? The little, uh, what is it, handy, handy yes, weld? Yes, yes. Yeah, weld pack, weld yeah. pack. That's oh, that's the yeah. one. So those are flux core. It okay. is the, some of the dirtiest, most unstable welding in. It's actually, it's funny enough because when you get higher up into the current and you get higher up in amperage ranges, it's a really stable process. But when you see it at Home Depot with a 110 volt welder, it is very misleading in terms of that process was never designed for voltage and amperage that low. It just yeah. It's going to be fine. It's going to work perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ask everyone that you've seen well, well, well with those things. I have trouble welding with those, those machines cause they do not do a very stable arc. They just do not have enough, uh, amperage to do it. That's just all there is to it. Okay. Um, another one is that you really won't see it. It's not a manual process. It's all robotic, but it's called uh, SAW, submerged arc welding. Uh, you'll see this on big, huge, like pressure vessels and pipes where they actually rotate under the head and you'll see where they actually dump flux down before, weld, and then pick up. They vacuum up the flux after and they recycle it. Uh, it's also called sub-arc. But when you want really high filler metal feed and high current welds, like on big, thick plate, sub-arc is the way to go. Um, very similar to uh, um, electro slag, the same way. It's a very high productive process for thick materials. You don't see it on anything small. That's called ESW. Um, and again, when we talked about earlier, uh, electron beam, uh, which is again used in a vacuum or a complete inert atmosphere plus a vacuum. Very, very stable. You can get very, very small spot sizes. You see it a lot in electronics and medical stuff, but extremely expensive to do just because of the, the amount of cleanliness and everything that it takes to do that. And then my latest favorite, which is laser. Um, I think it's LBW. I think it's the, the acronym for laser beam welding. Uh, where you most of the time you're using fiber. That's what we use. We use a fiber optic laser to to weld with. Uh, it's a very fast, very stable process. Uh, again, keyhole process, so it blows all the way down through full penetration, and then the material falls in around it. But <clears throat> very stable, very good for welding reactive materials because the heat input is very very low. It literally just puts in enough heat to melt the seam and the joint, and that's it. Then, then it re-solidifies. Uh, and then what you see a lot in automotive. So when you see an automotive or a car coming down the line, you see all these robots with these like C-clamp looking things, and you see them clamp onto the metal, and then you see a spark fly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep, it's called resistance welding. So what, what you're doing is you're running current through both arms, and the gap that is created by the metal that's pressed together because you, you essentially jump the arc across that gap, even though it's maybe a thousandth of an inch or something like that, it's still a gap and the and electricity will jump across it to try to get to the other, other electrode. And that is actually what superheats the metal 
and you have force. So when it, when it heats up, the clamps keep clamping and they push the metal together. So essentially like electron forging. Yeah. That is so cool. So resistance welding is, is those are your, your most common types you're going to see. Uh, much less common ones are going to be explosion welding, which you really don't see that much about where they actually use high explosives to bond completely uncommon materials very violently. There's some videos out there on explosion welding. It's pretty cool. That's where I've seen titanium and aluminum or titanium and steel actually get bonded together because they are literally broken apart at the molecular level and bonded back to each other. Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, friction welding you see a lot um, in plastics um, where it's essentially you're, you're rubbing a die or you're rubbing like, say, a tungsten electrode against a surface. Uh, fric- friction creates enough heat and therefore you actually get, you get a weld scene. Uh, you have glass welding, which you see a lot in glass blowing. You also see a lot in uh, light bulbs and anything to do with lighting. Uh, you see glass welding. Uh, you got plastic welding, which is, is pretty common. Um, most of the time that's done with either a very small torch or an electric, um, uh, like electric kind of hot knife or a butter knife kind of thing. Um, imagine a, a hot butter knife or a, what is it called? Like the wood burning kits. You see oh, a lot of yeah, 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 like yeah. Burning kit, stuff like that. So you can repair your bumper and stuff like that. Uh, one you really don't see a lot other than plastics and some electronics is ultrasonic welding. <gasps> I wanted to talk about that because there's this, you know, there's this NASA brief I was reading not too long ago about them talking about doing uh, ultrasonic stir welding and yep. that you can license it, you know, from them to use on your own applications. Like they're talking about welding with. You know, titanium and ink now. Yep. And that's fascinating. Yeah, so imagine uh, essentially a high-frequency ultrasonic transducer, and you essentially are vibrating the materials so violently that it creates a solid-state weld. It's super, super cool. What? Um, Again, you you see it a lot more in plastics Mm -hmm. because plastics heat up very, very quickly. So imagine vibrating the molecule. All right, so how a microwave works. You know how a microwave works? Oh, yeah, it excites the water molecules, yeah. Okay, same thing, but ultrasonic does it with with essentially sound waves. And it vibrates the molecules, and the vibration of the molecules heats up and essentially goes, makes them go to a liquid state, and bam, there you go, you have a weld. Um, But again, ultrasonic, you see it in, in metals, but it takes so much frequency and amplitude of the ultrasonic wave to get metal to heat up that much. But so that's why you see it in plastic a lot. Um, but it's uh, yeah, ultrasonics a really, really cool process. Uh, when, when it, when it's used, I mean, it essentially becomes a, it's an autogenous hermetic weld machine. It is, it is all one piece. That's so that is, cool. Yeah. Uh, and the last one that's, again, less common is uh, plasma. Uh, you see plasma arc welding and, uh, like, high high penetration, like, really thick material. Um, you've seen a lot of, like, pipe welding and stuff like that. Like, big, oh, okay. like 24, 48-inch okay. diameter pipes. You see plasma arc because it, you can have a really narrow bead, and it's just a, it's a very fast... Uh, fast process. They can be done with a really cheap power supply. You can actually do it with like a stick power supply. 
Like a weld packet? <laughs> yeah. A Handy Pack 100. Yeah. Available at all Home Depots. So those are your your kind of your your common types. Uh, or I'm sorry, less common types. Before that was your common types. So one thing I, I kind of want to touch on just real quick is welding as a job. Uh, I have done it most of my life. It is a very good skill to have. It's a very good trade. We are in a definite shortage for welders. Welding is not going around any, it's not dying off anytime soon. Uh, we're going to need welders for the next hundred years. Um, now the kinds of welding is definitely changing, but if, if you don't know where you want to go to school and you don't know what you want to do and you like working with your hands and, and you like money, we, we all like money. Uh, welding is just like machining is not a bad trade to get into. Um, there, you can make money right out of school. Um, there's really a never ending cap on knowledge in terms of once you learn stick or MIG or TIG or laser, whatever like that, well then move to another material or another position. You got flat, horizontal, vertical, overhead, pipe, uh, unlimited, all that kind of stuff like that. The cool thing of really cool thing about welding is it's really your pay is mainly based on experience and certifications. So if you get certified in all these different materials and all these different positions, then you're more valuable to the employer because there's more jobs that they can send you on or they can bring into your shop because you're more, you're more varied in your skill set. And once you get them, you know, granted it can change per job, but you can say, look, I was, I was certified in this last company. Uh, here's my old search. I can requalify and bam, I can, I can, I can do this stuff. Um, the problem is it is still a dying trade because it is a trade. It is a skill. It is something that has to be taught. It has to be practiced. And even in the U.S., the U.S. needs welders. So if it's a career choice you've thought about, it is definitely a good one to look at. Um, there's a lot of places you can go. I've, I've got lots of friends that have, have very stable incomes making way more than they would if they've got enough underwater basket weaving degree um, from <laughs> uh, Intertext here university and, uh, and lead very long lives, happy with what they do. Um, again, it, even in the, even if you don't want to do it as a job, it is not a bad skill to have because you'll be that, you, you'll be that guy in your group of friends that can fix anything. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> can, can weld about it. Oh, you could weld. Oh man, I need you to fix this thing for me. Yeah. Cause if you can weld it, you're probably definitely the guy who's going to break everything too. and needs to be able to weld it all back together. Exactly. So it's kind of one of those, like, you know, if you're hard on stuff, wouldn't be a bad idea to learn how to weld so you can fix your own stuff. So you don't, you don't keep buying stuff over and over and over. So, you know, we learned um, how to use super glue real early for a reason. So, uh, yeah, you know, just yeah, this is so adult super glue. It is. This is adult super glue. Uh, like I said, it's a very good skill to have. It is something that um, will be needed for at least our generation and the, and the next probably one, if not two generations. Um, so it, it's, it's something that if, if, Again, if you're if you're hesitant on what you want to do, um, go talk to a trade school. Go talk to um, a local, uh, you know, two-year college. And most of those, you can come out of school with certifications, and you can walk straight into a job. That's yeah, I would agree, a hundred percent. So, that's, that's awesome. uh, 
That's what I had, man. That's, that's a, the that's history. A, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty in-depth yeah, it is. Uh, uh, jab at uh, at welding and metal joint. Uh, sorry, dynamic fusion. <gasps> dynamic metal fusion. Is that I, what it was? Oh, God. That sounds even better. Now. Oh. Dynamic metal fusion. Whatever. Dynamic uh, dynamic alchemic fusion. I don't know. Stop <laughs> I mean, it. Stop <laughs> it. Now you're just coming up with something for a business card that just yeah, sounds yeah, more obnoxious yeah. than it should. So, uh, very cool industry. I've been blessed to be a part of it for many years. I will be a part of it for my entire life. Uh, I enjoy... I don't weld as much as I used to, um, but I still, I still love flipping my helmet down and actually... Uh, actually laying beads because again is a skill it's a craft it is something that um, you never really lose but you definitely need to maintain practice on uh, but there's something very satisfying about being able to take a bunch of tubing that's sitting on the ground put it all together and actually be able to do something with it oh gosh you could not be any more yep. correct yeah so um okay that's awesome thank you yep. i appreciate that professor well done <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your in-depth history analysis. Okay, so on to the quiz. So everybody, please get out eight. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, that's that should be your own uh, little source for different tidbits of trivia uh, when yeah. you're out there in the field. Um, so this week, I did. We didn't have a chance to discuss it, so I'm just going to try it on the fly. Uh, this week, you know, it's the tool's fault. Is there anything that happened with you today that that caused uh, that the tool caused a lot of damage that wasn't you at all? Couldn't have possibly been something you did incorrect. Yes, no, I, no, I have one. <laughs> and 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 again, I don't machine as much as I. I don't. I'm not. I'm not machining every day like I used to be. Right. Uh. So you know that when you don't do it every day, you miss things and do stuff. Yeah. And you don't use it, you lose it. Yep, and I was machining some, I was modifying some fixtures for one of our guys, and uh, I had to use a three-quarter inch spade drill and then come in with a boring bar, clean it up. So load the machine up, touch everything off. Um, again, I'm, I'm running everything on 5% rapids and go in, and it's just aluminum, so I'm, I'm, I'm pushing it pretty hard. Goes in, comes out. I look at the controller, look back, and realize that the turret is starting to come up and the drill is still in the hole. <gasps> Whoops. I did not tighten the insert drill enough in the holder, and when it was retracting out of the hole, it didn't come far enough, and the turret started going up and bent the insert drill bottom. Oh. Granted, it's, it's a body with a replaceable insert. But I killed a two hundred and eight dollar holder oh. because I didn't tighten the set screw enough to hold it in the holder. Oh, yeah, man, but where's the price is right now? It was the tool's fault. <laughs> it was 100%. tool's fault. That's yeah, just no, that stupid not, turret should have known to was, pull out far enough. Yeah, just because know, I coded it not and, to, and, and the and the bolt should have held. You know, just all this. It's just one hundred percent the fault. <laughs> yeah, they really need to get it together on their yeah. side of things. <laughs> So yeah, oh, that's that's my uh, that's a good one. Face face palm face palm moment for the week. Nice, well done. All right, well yeah. with that, that's a great way to close out. So guys, <laughs> thanks for joining us for our first two part episode, going over the history of welding and uh, getting a chance to talk about something that I think we all know and, and can tell now that Kyle is very passionate about. Just, uh, a just a little bit. Hey, listen, if you guys are out there listening to the show and you're enjoying it, please take the time to uh, hit that subscribe button and subscribe and follow along. Um, the subscriptions kind of let us know who's listening, who's. Cons- 
consistently here with us how we're doing how it's projecting so we know if we're going on the right track uh also please if you have the time please consider putting a review in your podcast app that you're using to listen to this whether it's iHeartRadio or apple podcast google podcast uh, google podcast stitcher Oh my gosh, what else are we on? Um, Spotify and yeah. a few other platforms. Please just take the time to do a, a review, something quick, or even just pop in those five stars. We'd uh, we'd appreciate it. It helps us in the in the rankings and gets us out there in front of a few more faces, a few more ears. Um, additionally, we are on <clears throat> social media. Listen, I am doing my best with it. I am your social media <laughs> director. <laughs> I am also social media director for uh, the educational program that I am in charge of, and uh, and. And, and all of it is, is a whole lot, but I'm trying my best to balance the technology as best I can. But you can find us at Precisely Cast. Uh, we are at Precisely Cast on both Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So if you can, just reach out to us and uh, give us a listen, give us a, a like and a share. I know we got a whole bunch of them. Kyle, you shared some of your stuff online. Yeah. and. I appreciate that. It helped a whole bunch and got us out there and had more people listening. So if you're a new listener, hey, thanks for being here. We appreciate it. We're doing this for you. So we're glad you're here. Uh, And with that, I think we're going to close out this week. And hey, uh, until we talk to you guys next time, just remember, it worked in CAD. (laughs) Take it easy. Bye, guys. Bye.